question the important issues of today and try to find a sort of spiritual connection? Welcome to Religious Faith and the Public Square with Father John Holloman as your host. Religion deals with the most fundamental issues humans face. There are arguments for and against the existence of God, where religion belongs in everyday life and a number of questions left unanswered. This is where it all gets discovered. Now, here is Father John Holloman. Hello again. Good to be back with you, although um, this is going to be my final broadcast. So we'll see how far we can get with it. Um, I'm going to conclude the book of Revelation analysis uh, with the final chapter, chapter 21. And it begins like this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The former heaven and the former earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. I also saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, God's dwelling is with the human race. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will always be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there shall be no more death or mourning, wailing or pain, for the old order has passed away. Now, this is reflecting the fundamental thesis of apocalyptic literature, which is that uh, the world as we know it is so hopelessly corrupt that it has to be done away with, replaced. Um, the whole idea that we find with Noah and the ark um, in other words, it's going to require a spiritual rebirth. Only the holy can enter and dwell here. With the sea, which was the glass floor before the throne, goes all imperfections of the first creation. God yearns over his people like a bridegroom over his bride. There is an individual blessedness, union with God, which answers our deepest spiritual longing. However, the bride is also a city, in other words, a community of the faithful. Individual and corporate bliss are inseparable. There is no temple here because there is no need for uh, an altar or prayer. God dwells among us. The theme of this entire chapter. The New Jerusalem is not a set of buildings, but the soul of a city. An idea to be found in Isaiah. Creation for John is making visible what was previously invisible. The embodiment of a perfect pattern in the mind of God. However, Christians can belong to this new creation in this life. We don't have to wait for death. It can be enjoyed in this life. Now, in the following verses, God speaks to the churches. 
the one who sat on the throne, namely God, said, this is the only place in the entire book of Revelation where God speaks directly. Behold, I make all things new. And he said, write these words down. They are trustworthy and true. He said to me, they are accomplished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give a gift from the spring of the life-giving water. The victor will inherit these gifts, and I shall be his God, and he will be my son. But as for cowards, the unfaithful, the depraved, murderers, the unchaste, sorcerers, idol worshippers, deceivers of every sort. Their lot is in the burning pool of fire and sulfur, which is the second death. So we've got two interesting ideas here. The idea of a second death, which obviously the first death is the biological ceasing to be. But the second death uh, is um, the day of judgment. And the implication is that only the, the righteous will continue to exist spiritually and that uh, those judged unworthy simply become what the atheists would conceive of nothing. Um, completely deprived of existence. Um, also, um, God speaks here to the pressing needs of the churches in the present, meaning John's present, and in particular, to the thirsty. Um, now, the idea of fire and sulfur being associated with hell is not hard to figure out. Um, just think of the volcano erupting in Hawaii right, right, right now. You've got all of this uh, lava coming up out of the earth. And also, as they speak about on the news, um, sulfur dioxide, which is considered a poisonous gas. So you have the smell of sulfur. Um, and certainly there are plenty of volcanoes in the Mediterranean uh, region. So the idea of you, if you're not cremated, you are buried in the ground or in a tomb um, is associated with fire and sulfur. Judgment has been rendered even before the bitter strife of the last days has ended. Is a view of God as the overseer of history as a whole, with the beginning and the end inseparable. In verses 7 to 8, and Victor will inherit these gifts, and I shall be his God, and he will be my son. 
It is the thirst after righteousness which makes the conqueror. In other words, martyrdom is a blessing since it leads to a certain quenching of that thirst in God's presence. John's list is influenced by upcoming events. Two basic sins come first, cowardice and faithlessness, or doubt. John seems harsh here because disloyalty is not a temporary thing. Time is short, and it will have eternal consequences. We get to the verses uh, concerning the city itself. One of the seven angels who held the seven bowls, filled with the seven last plagues, came and said to me, Come here, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb, which is the church. He took me in spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It gleamed with the splendor of God. Its radiance was like that of a precious stone, like jasper, clear as crystal. It had a massive high wall with 12 gates where 12 angels were stationed on which names were inscribed the names of the 12 tribes of the Israelites. There were three gates facing east, three north, three south, and three west. The wall of the city had 12 courses of stones as its foundation, on which were inscribed the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Now, the materials of the city John's purpose here is to instruct and not dazzle. Um, refined gold means for him spiritual wealth. The 12 jewels on the breastplate of the high priest has been associated with signs of the zodiac. Here there's a reverse zodiacal list, and perhaps to disassociate this city from other speculations about divine dwelling. Verses 21 to 23. Twelve gates were twelve pearls, each of the gates made from a single pearl. And the street of the streets of the city was of pure gold, transparent as glass. I saw no temple in the city. For its temple is the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb. The city had no need of sun or moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gave it light, and its lamp was the Lamb. The nations will walk by its light, and to it the kings of the earth will bring their treasure. During the day, the day its gates will never be shut, and there will never be, there will be no night there. The treasure and wealth of the nations will be brought there. Nothing unclean will enter it, nor anyone who does abominable things or tells lies. Only those who enter whose names are written in the book, Lamb's Book of Life. Um, (laughs) 
The 12 gates of pearl are like the foundations. They tell Christian readers that the gates are theirs, but they are the new Israel. The new Jerusalem is a community, more than a place, of transcendent beauty. The light of the sun and moon are derived from God. In other words, they are not divine. That goes all the way back to uh, the creation story in Genesis. Um, ancient world worshiped the stars as the hosts of heaven. Um, but if you make them a creation like uh, human beings are, all the animals on the face of the earth, um, that makes them candidates for being studied when science, scientific inquiry came along. Um, so it's, it's very um, important that this idea is still embedded all the way from Book of Genesis. Now, here the nations means the redeemed. In other words, the old prophecies about an earthly um, Jesus being a light to the nations must be reinterpreted to mean Christians. Similarly, kings of the earth um, are monarchs. An idea that comes from Isaiah chapter 60. Finally, in chapter 22, we get a vision of everlasting life. And the angel showed me the river of life-giving water sparkling like crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of its street. On either side of the river grew the tree of life that produces fruit 12 times a year, once each month. The leaves of the trees serve as medicine for the nations. Nothing accursed will be found there anymore. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will look upon his face, his name will be on their foreheads. Night shall be no more, nor will they need light from lamps or the sun. For the Lord God shall give them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. The city here, uh, the river that flowing through the city, uh, is flowing through the whole order of redeemed humanity. In other words, it does not sustain nature but life. Here it is the faithful who may quench their thirst. This is not a sensual paradise, as in Islam. The bliss is one only a religious person could appreciate. Unceasing worship in the presence of God. And I tell people um, who are allergic to incense that they're going to have trouble if they get to heaven because according to John's vision of heaven, it's full of incense, which represents the prayers of the faithful. Um, the bliss is one only a religious person could appreciate, unceasing worship in the presence of God. There are 12 kinds of fruit from these trees. There's abundance of food for the spirit that gives immortality. In Ezekiel, the leaves serve for healing, Revelation for healing all the nations. 
again, Zechariah's perpetual day becomes a perpetual day of worship. Okay, we've got a break coming up here now. I'll be back in a few minutes. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com As a Catholic or non-Catholic, would you be interested in knowing more about the faith? We have a large selection of books in various categories from apologetics to spirituality. CDs and DVDs are also available, as well as handcrafted rosaries. In short, we are a resource for seekers. If we do not have what you are looking for, give us a call and we will try to find it for you. Visit DefendingTheCatholicFaith.com to find out more or call us at 251-317-3977. That's DefendingTheCatholicFaith.com. Are you satisfied with your life? Do you know that more should be possible? Listen for the Access Consciousness Radio Show with the creators of Access, Gary Douglas and Dr. Dane here. Our program offers pragmatic tools to change things in your life that you haven't been able to change until now. What if all of life could come to you with ease, joy, and glory? Tune in to Access Consciousness Thursdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Empowerment. Are you really? Are you the person you want to be, or are you the person that others want you to be? Think about that. We don't always recognize our gifts and potential because we stick to old methods of being and do what others in our lives tell us. It's time to break through. Listen for Rediscovering the Magic of Being with Marja. Each program connects you back to whom you were meant to be every Tuesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time and 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Tune in. Build your better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. You are tuned into Religious Faith and the Public Square with Father John Holloman. To reach the program today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to DefendingCatholicFaith at gmail.com. Now, back to Religious Faith and the Public Square. Picking up where we left off. Um, we're going to talk about verses 6 to 15 of chapter 21. Um, sorry, we're in chapter 22. There are three, three, three themes here. One is a summons to Christians to ponder this new revelation. Secondly, the imminence of Christ's return. And third, the necessity for the utmost purity and conduct. Angels and prophets are put in their places. Both are servants who carry the authority of their master. In both Isaiah and Daniel, um, the prophecies, the book of prophecies was sealed up, but not John. Um, there's no missionary zeal in this picture of the heavenly city. 
just a separation of sheep from goats. He speaks to those who are already in the book of life, but those names may still be erased. Purity and righteousness are the condition of immortality, which seems a bit pharisaical in a sense that you can earn your way into heaven. And he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of prophetic spirits, sent his angel to show his servants what must happen soon. Behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the prophetic message of this book. It is I, John, who heard and saw these things. When I heard and saw them, I fell down and worshipped at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, don't. I'm a fellow servant of yours, of your brothers, the prophets, and of those who keep the message of this book. Worship God. That was one of the uh, one of the things that uh, the early church had to deal with. And there were people who advocated the worship of angels. But no, they are part of creation, just like the sun and the moon and the stars. Then he said to me, do not seal up the prophetic words of this book, for the point of time is near. That the wicked still act wickedly, and the filthy still be filthy. The righteous must still do right, and the holy still be holy. Behold, I'm coming soon. I bring with me the recompense I will give to each according to his deeds. And the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are they who wash their robes, so as to have the right to the tree of life enter the city through its gates. Outside of the dogs, the sorcerers, the unchaste, the murderers, the idol worshippers, and all who love and practice deceit. I, Jesus, sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and offspring of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let the hearers say, come. Let the one who thirsts come forward the one who wants to receive the gift of life-giving water. I warn everyone who hears the prophetic words in this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words in this prophetic book, God will take away his share in the Thai tree of life and in the holy city described in this book. The one who gives this testimony says, yes, I'm coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Um, angels and prophets are put in their places. Both are servants who carry the authority of their master. Both Isaiah and Daniel had sealed up their prophecies, but not John. There's no missionary zeal here, just a separation of sheep from goats. He speaks to those who are already in the book of life, but whose names will still be erased. Purity and righteousness are the conditions of immortality. Again, a hint of Phariseeism. And finally, the authentication by Jesus himself, a warning that the truths of this book are not to be perverted by novelties and 
variations to suit the inclination of the reader, which is something that we all have a tendency to do with scripture, make it suit our own um, inclinations. So I'm going to try to give something of an overview of the past um, 26 weeks that I've been with you. Started off by talking about the religious faith in the public square. And the second half has been doing um, exegesis of scripture to show how it is relevant to life today just as much as it was back then. Um, obviously for Christians, scripture is an important foundation for their faith. It is a necessary, although not sufficient, condition for understanding where Christians are coming from. One big obstacle, even for Christians, to appreciating the relevance of the Bible is the fact that the biblical authors did not know about abstract reasoning, which, thanks to the Greeks, imbues contemporary thinking today. It requires some translation of biblical thinking into modern terms before recording history, uh, before we can begin to understand that these writers did not think of themselves as recording history, not even in the Gospels, or science as we understand it. Their primary focus was on what we today would call theology. In other words, the relationship between God and human beings. Thus, in the creation story in Genesis, there are two versions. One is Genesis chapter 1, verses 1, through chapter 2, verse 4a, meaning the first half of verse 4, wherein God is depicted as speaking, followed by things happening. We would call this a depiction of God's transcendence. The other version, beginning in chapter 2, verse 4b, to the end of chapter 2, where God walks and talks with Adam and Eve in the garden. Here it is God's eminence that is being emphasized. Both versions are needed to show that God is both eminent to, in and transcendent to his creation. Note further that creation is conceived as being primarily the bringing of order out of chaos. In other words, it is not a one-time event, but an ongoing process. Moreover, it is something that we humans are still preoccupied with. We have a role to play in the scheme of things. If this order were not an essential part of our world, there would be no science as we know it today. One implication of all this is that scientism is an artificial construct. It is a well-meaning but misguided attempt to show that biblical events can be construed as scientific in quotation marks. Ellison began the biblical segment of this series with an excerpt from, from an ancient poem some 4,000 years old entitled A Debate Over Suicide, written in Egyptian hieroglyphic on a clay tablet. It is reminiscent of Shakespeare's Hamlet, wherein the prince is debating within himself to be or not to be, that is the question. Both pieces of literature illustrate the fact that for all the changes that have taken place in the last 4,000 years, human nature and human problems have remained the same. Namely, is there 
purpose and meaning to our lives. If not, we have to ask ourselves if life is worth living. Nihilism is a philosophy which holds that there is no meaning and purpose to existence. That life came about accidentally, that because there is no God, no creator, there's no point to order in the world, no values or life goals, and no point to reason and spirituality. Some people embrace this philosophy consciously. Many others are nihilists without even being knowing what the word means. They are nihilists by default. Their lives are without meaning and thus boring. Few can drink deeply of this idea without considering suicide. For the human psyche, this is an intolerable situation. There has to be more to life than this. Theism, on the other hand, is the belief in God as the creator of existence. A theist believes that because there is a God, there is a point to order in the world, to values and life goals, to reason and spirituality. This view of creation is what gives us our reason for living. This sense of purpose, this reaching out toward a goal, is built into our humanity. In his letter to the Ephesians, Paul tells us that Jesus' goal as head of the church, which is his body, is to, quote, fill the universe with all its parts, end quote. This is the Christian worldview of salvation, to see the individual ingredients of creation in the perspective of wholeness, to see the bits and pieces in terms of what they are to become, to see a still fragmented humanity in the light of its potential, God-willed wholeness. This is but one of the reasons why religious faith has something important to say to our public square today. Unfortunately, since the Reformation, Christianity itself appears unremediably fractured into many fractions. And until Christians can get their act together, they're not going to be taken seriously by a public that itself is often split into contentious factions. They might well say, physician, heal thyself. However, there are several factors at work to nudge Christians towards more unity than what currently prevails. One of them is the increasing hostility of a secularized culture. Another is the increasing recognition that materialism is a false god that cannot fulfill its promise of a blissful existence. Of course, there are also many who object to the use of scripture on principle as a basis for making any decisions about a particular course of action. These are the growing number of voices who view scripture as being rigid and irrelevant to our modern way of life. I hope that what I've been doing throughout this series of broadcasts gives some reasons for disagreeing with that assessment. I suspect the real reason for the objection is quite simply an anti-Christian bias. That is where John and his book of Revelation comes in. In effect, he provided a spirituality for Christians, facing a more extreme hostility than we are experiencing today. 
The bottom line is they need to be convinced of the value of what they believe so that they can maintain their equanimity and charity towards the persecutors, even when their life is on the line. Um, quite often in the, in the Roman Empire, when there was a plague coming about, people didn't know what to do about it except quarantine. And so the person who came down with the plague was shoved out of the house onto the street. And some of that still happens today in India, for example. Um, so it's not to be contaminated. The family has to remain intact. Um, but the irony, irony of it was that uh, in the Roman Empire, quite often these people thrown out onto the streets by their families were ministered to by Christians. And these were the very people who were sending them to their deaths. Um, well, there are those who flake out. There are many who did not. One example of this is the conduct of whole groups of Christians who grouped in the center of the arena and sang hymns, even as the beasts were being looked loosed upon them. As I have said elsewhere, even though life was considered cheap for most Romans, they did respect the manner in which one met their fate, namely, with courage rather than fear. The courage with which Christians all over the empire met their fate was probably a great evangelizing tool. The stripes, the current atmosphere can be a good thing if it serves to induce Christians of all stripes to get back to basics and take their faith more seriously. Soul searching can be good for the soul if we are thorough enough. I'll never forget an experience I had when in Rome. On the side altar of an ancient church in Rome, there was a small burlap bag tied with a ribbon and an inscription in Latin saying, the relics of unknown martyrs. There are only a few martyrs who became famous enough to be remembered by name. There were far more who witnessed to their faith anonymously. That still holds today, especially in Africa and the Middle East. A case in point would be the Coptic Christians who were kidnapped in Egypt and taken to a beach on the Mediterranean coast to be beheaded while the whole thing was being videotaped. I do not know how accurate it is, but it has been asserted that there have been more Christian martyrs in the 20th and 21st centuries than all the previous centuries put together. Christians are not Pollyanna optimists, but adhere to an optim optimism born of our Lord's passion and resurrection. This optimism is based on the knowledge that God has squarely faced the darkest side of human nature and triumphed over it. This makes possible a hope that not even apparent failure can extinguish. Ultimately, human depravity does not triumph. It is this hope which Christians can bring to the public square. No small thing, that. With those words, 
I bid you adieu. And I pray that you have um, a faith-filled life, which gives us much more reason for existing than otherwise. It's going to be short today, which maybe comes a relief to you. But um, I hope it hasn't been too tedious. Um, I was trying to lay a foundation for the points which I've just made. So. Tuning into Religious Faith and the Public Square. Please join Father John Holloman again next Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We hope you have a very good week.